uncomfortable silences. Why do we feel it's necessary to yak about bullshit in order to be comfortable? I don't know. That's a good question. That's when you know you found somebody really special. And you can just shut the fuck up for a minute, comfortably share silence. Well, I don't think we're quite there yet, but don't feel bad. We just met each other. Lifers Podcast with Scott Lucas, Gabe Rodriguez, and Ben Reiser. And now, here's Scott, Gabe, and Ben. Gotta love Maximilian Schnell. Gabe, are you a big Maximilian Schnell fan? I'm not a fan of the name Maximilian. Remember, our old buddy Max, I think he might have been referred to that way once or twice, but I, I, don't, I don't understand it. I never knew that was the long version of Max, is it? Max, who went on tour with us? Yes. No, he prefers Max Dunn. His name is Maxton. M-A-X-T-O-N. I don't even know. I forgot, but somebody might have referred to him. He was never a Maximilian. Is is that a real thing? Maximilian, short for Max, or long for Max? Sometimes it's Maxwell. Yeah. Maxwell, right. And apparently Maxton. Okay. How's your week been? Have you had a good week? My week has been completely fucked. I've got this festival starting tomorrow, and I've got like 20 more interviews to mix and post with filmmakers between tonight and 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. So there's no sense of you, like, it starts tomorrow, you're, you're elated, you're like, it starts tomorrow, now the real work begins. We're, we're already talking about our summer program that we do on campus that we're going to actually start doing again this summer in a, in a real theater, so. Nice. Only 35 millimeter prints. This is going to be the summer of 35 millimeter prints only. If it's not on 35, we're not showing it. I, I'm interested. I know you are. Gabe, you like to watch movies on 35 millimeter, right? <laughs> the the bigger the millimeter, the better. That is true. Ooh, so you're a 70 millimeter fan. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds good. It's twice. <laughs> it's twice 35. Duh. I'm actually confused about that whole 70 millimeter thing because apparently it's really 65, 65. millimeter, and right. then that gets blown up a little bit. I don't even understand. Uh, I think it's 65, and then the other five is the the magnetic soundtrack. Oh, okay. That's oh, what I think okay. it is. I, that, but, that, could, uh, that makes more sense than what I thought it was. I Thank could be Scott. wrong. I no, could I don't be know. wrong. That sounds right. That sounds good. Yeah, it's been a rough, rough week. It has been something else. You know what? I feel like you say you're rehearsing every day, and your voice sounds good. So I guess you're you you've, you're in shape now, vocally. Yeah, I haven't really been singing a lot, and oh. we also have been uh, not playing as much this week as as. Uh, as we should. I mean, we've been going into the uh, space, but not a lot of playing's been getting done. We've been trying to figure out what we're going to play, and uh, I don't know. A lot of stuff has been going on this week, so it's um, we'll get on the horse tomorrow. It's we're getting on it. No fucking around. 
Today is yesterday's tomorrow. <laughs> what is that? Is that some kind of? I've been waiting for twenty years to use that quote, and I finally got it in. When is when? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, so I had a, a birthday the other day. Whose birthday? My birthday. Was oh my yeah, birthday. yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm joking. I, I hate I hate to bring it up, but uh, Justine got me uh, this. She heard me talking about this Rush record. Uh, that it was. It was this record that I think was a promo record and it was sent to radio stations and it was called Russian Roulette, you know, Rush and Roulette. Um, uh, and you would put it on and it would, depending on the day or somehow in the mastering process, uh, one day you'd put it on and it would play um, Tom Sawyer. And another day it'd play... Uh, Red Barchetta or YYZ or YYZ, you know, it, you didn't know what it was going to play. Hence Russian roulette. Uh, and both sides were the same. Um, so I'm, I think there were like six different songs, but it was excerpts of the songs. So I was talking to uh, my friend Blake about it and Justine overheard that. And she's like, Oh, I'm going to get him that. And so she gets it from, she orders it from somebody on eBay and she gets totally hosed. Like this thing comes in, I open it up, and I'm like, oh my God, she got this record. And first of all, she should not have gotten this record. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it was way too much. And if, anybody's, and if anyone's thinking of getting cute by listening, when hearing this story, of thinking, oh, I'm gonna get Scott that record, do not get me this fucking record, because I won't listen to it. I was just talking about how weird it is, you know, I mean, I can go to Reckless and get all the world's a stage. And it's, it, you know, if that's what I want to listen to, that's what I'll fucking do. So do not get me this record. And I, I don't care how cute you think it's going to be. Don't do it. Anyway, I was talking about it. And she goes, oh, I'm going to get him that. Which is like, that's cool. But it comes back to bite her in the ass. This thing shows up. And it's like, it's, on his, it's in a box. Uh, you see this thing? It's a really cheap box, and it's got this cheap label on it, Rush, Russian Roulette, and it, and it's printed on these Yugoslav. It it it's like four different records, but they're like Yugoslav folk and dance songs, right? Uh, and then on the the label says Yugoslav folk and dance songs, but then it's got like Twenty One Twelve, Temples of Syrinx, Free Will, Limelight, written in pen on it. Right. And so I'm like, this is not this is not what I was talking about. This is not the, the record. And you put it on and it's the worst rush bootleg you ever heard. <laughs> I mean, uh, it just sounds like shit. And I mean, is that a thing? Can you like take records that have labels and then uh, like, you know, press new press? Yes, it can be done. It can be done. Well, is that is that the process? Do labels go on the vinyl first, and then the grooves get struck? I mean, well, did like somebody have these records, and then they repressed over it? Okay, oh, is you that, do that possible to do? Well, I don't know about that. Uh, anyway, this guy, I, I, I'm gunning for this guy. This guy has got to go down. Um, uh, <laughs> she she won't tell me who it is. <laughs> But uh, it's some asshole who lives in upstate New York, and uh, I'm gunning for this guy. 
because he ripped her the fuck off. So, um, but yeah, it was, it, it sucked. I've never seen anything like that. Can you help me out with this game? <laughs> I've seen bad bootlegs before, but I mean, I don't want to know how much it costs, but you know, records are going for crazy amounts right now and people are, you know, taking advantage of that. So they're, they're making these bootleg records and just sending them out there and, you know, unless you review it or tell, warn people about it, you know, you really got to watch what you're doing because people are making a fortune off this stuff. Right. So what's my recourse? I mean, can I send the thing back? And uh, you, you can give them a bad review and just give them a, you know, a whole thing saying this thing was a bootleg and it, it was false advertising, that kind of stuff. But, you know, you're not going to know who he is. It's, it's, he's hiding behind his username. Mm. Well, I mean, as long as she can get her money back, I, I guess I don't mind. But, but yeah, this was not Russian roulette. I, as soon as I saw the thing, I was like, uh-oh. Somebody got taken. Yeah. So, I did so that. I stupidly ordered, like, the entire box set of um, the first two seasons of Alias. this was back in the day man and i was like oh i really want to listen to these commentary tracks but i don't want to spend a hundred bucks or whatever they were and ordered some on ebay for like 50 bucks and of course they were like these dvdr homegrown (laughs) things which had the episodes on them but didn't have any of the bonus features which was the only thing i wanted and like the the boxes were like xerox color like you know copies of the packaging you live and learn. Right? You get, <laughs> you get what you pay for. shocked Scott into like, it's just, I couldn't even fucking believe that I would want to get even the official <laughs> alias blue. It's, it's like, it's like those bootleg local aid shirts from the Philippines. Have you seen those? No, I have not. I mean, who's, uh, who's making those? Somebody over there, you know, and you know. Some fucking Filipino. These, what do you mean? They have these weird designs and, and they're, they're kind of stealing some of the newest logos and stuff and they just put them out there and they sell them for 30 40 dollars and some people do buy them yeah yeah that sucks it really sucks i mean it's it's not that i care about the money i just i i hate people getting hosed i really fucking hate it and you know it's it's it, it feels like it's our fault even though i know it really isn't but yeah man i want to get this guy Yeah, you can write him a bad review, and it'll show up on his rating and stuff like that, but you're never going to know who he is. You know, it's just, nobody knows who anybody is on eBay. It's just the, your username. I just want the money back. I want her to get her money back, and I want those things to go back. And and, and once again, I don't want this Rush record. I, I don't want it. It's just a cute idea. Please do not show up. And And... I'm going to stop saying this because I know someone's going to be, he's saying he doesn't want it, but he really wants it. I don't want it at all. I, I can think of like five people that already have ordered it for you just based on what we've talked about. So we might have to cut this whole segment out of the show. If you we might, we <laughs> might. I, I wondered if I should even bring it up. You're, you're right. You're right. Was there ever, was there something Were you like, was it, did I talk about this already? Was it Jewel who would get toothbrushes thrown at her? So somebody, Jewel had some kind of lyric about the pancakes or something, and, and, and fans would like throw some. I think it was Squeeze. It was actually like Glenn Tilburg who used to get toothbrushes thrown at him or toothpaste because of there's some line in Black Coffee in Bed. But I feel like Jewel had something similar, like where there was she mentioned some like 
household item or something in the song and people would just toss that shit at her. Did you ever have a thing like No, it's got to like, be a bummer when your 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 music turns into an episode of The Room Rocky, or you know, Rocky Horror? <laughs> right. Rocky Horror. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> people throwing spoons at you. Yeah. <laughs> How many times have you seen Rocky Horror, Gabe? Uh 20? Really? Ooh. You've seen Rocky Horror picture show that many times? Yeah, I mean, uh, our old buddy Matt, Matt. Used, to, used to perform. Yeah. And I'd go out there in the midnight showings at Belvedere Mall in Waukegan. I don't I, remember you ever being there. I was there. I was probably the quietest one and just hiding in the corner, but laughing my ass off because it was fun. But, you know, I went. I would say. So you went across. to see Matt. You went to see Matt perform in Rocky Hard, but you never went to see Scott do his, his performing arts in high school. Oh, here uh, again. AV crew. It's a different level. They're different apples and oranges. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is a different level. I would sneak across the hall and go uh, watch Evil Dead Two or The Wall, and then I'd come back, and it would almost be done, the Rocky Horror thing. But that way, but I don't ever remember you being there. That way, I didn't have to watch it again. But I could, you know, still hang out with everybody afterwards. Yeah, I was there. You didn't see Led Zeppelin's song remains the same out there too. Oh yeah, I used to play that. That was the stuff to do. It was. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that shit, yo. <laughs> Blood Diner. I remember would play a lot. And Street Blood Trash. Blood Diner. Wow. Blood Diner. First that. they greet you, then they eat you. Speaking of things that you don't want people to do because we talk about it on the the podcast. Okay. I had someone I had someone call me and say, "Bring out the gimp." And I'm like, "Hold on a second now. I don't want this to be a thing." And it might become a I don't think it's going to become a thing, but it's like, "Hey, you know, it's not cool to 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 use that terminology when you're talking is, about whatever." Is gimp bad? I don't think it's good. It can't be good. <laughs> Well, what if we get you one of those leather bondage masks? I don't think so. Ryan uh, has one. You can borrow Ryan's. No. You know, the Glenn Danzig used to perform with Sam Hain with that mask on, and it kind of scared me a little bit when I saw it. But no, I would never wear one. Yes, it is a little scary. <laughs> that, and, that's and much the, scary as disturbing. Yeah. Like the scene from Pulp Fiction, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not down with that stuff. I mean, that's, that's where I was thinking the gimp thing was coming from, was Pulp Fiction. Uh, oh yeah, I but, thought that too. But I, I, I suppose, I, I suppose it's offensive somehow because I don't really know what gimp means. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's different than being gimpy, right? The gimp is it's all right. Let's change the subject. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's any good way to approach this. Yeah, I don't think we should be talking about this. You're right, Gabe. So, Gabe, what you got going on back there? Uh, I got some pretty good records behind me there. The okay. uh, the Rocket from the Crypt. Uh, what the hell's the name of that record? Hot Charity. Hot Charity. That's a good record. I don't. I just listened to it the other day. Did you? Mm-hmm. On vinyl. On vinyl. I still got to plug in my turntable, but uh, it's it's a good record. There's some real good stuff in there. And then I very, have very good record. It's a it's a it's more dramatic than their other records around the time. There there's some Jehu esque uh, drama going on on that record right i gotta give that one another spin to to because rocket is just 
they're they're so, they were so prolific at that time, putting out yes. so many so many different things. Right, on different labels all over the place. Yeah, it was hard to keep up with everything. But the other record I have is the Drive Like Jehu Yank Crime record. I think I put it up there before. Yeah. Uh, for for good reason today. What what's that reason? I guess we're supposed to be talking about the the two Drive Like Jehu records. That's that's the subject. That, subject that matter. record and this record. Oh, that's the is that Ooh. that's a reissue, right? Or is that the original? That's the original, man. Really? Yeah, Cargo Headhunter. It's the original. I have it on CD, but I don't have it on ninety nine. All right. You have it on CD. You don't. Okay, so because we're supposed to be talking about which is better, Yank Crime or the the self titled. So you got Rock from the Crypt back there. We're not talking about who's better, Drive Like Jehu or Rock from the Crypt. We're talking about which is better, the first Jehu record or the second Jehu record. So you're right. fucking up. No, you can't talk about Drive Like Jehu without bringing up Rocket from the Crypt. Unless, I mean, you, people, you people, can. Can, people can't. You, uh, people can, but I can't. Okay. And it, it's been that way forever since we've been talking about this band. I've always had a thing to say, you know, who's better? Like, is it John Reese that makes both these bands, or is it Rick Froberg mm. that makes Drive Like Jehu? Well, what do you, how do you, th- what do you think? Uh, I mean, a little, it's, a little of both. Oh, you know how we were talking before about like what is better, like who's better for Mr. Show, like uh, David Cross or Bob Odenkirk, and how in recent years Bob Odenkirk has become like, oh, he's the, what did Phil say? Like Bob Odenkirk is the Wilco to uh, David Cross's Sunvolt. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe, like what, we've heard that first Jehu record around the same time that we heard Circa Now. Right. Right. So so at one point, did you think maybe the Rock from Crypt is better, and then you started to realize that Drive Like Jehu is better? I can't remember which one I liked better, because I kept going back and forth. But I loved that Circa Now record so much that it was hard to get that out of my system. But yeah. when, when the Drive Like Jehu record, when we got that, it was like, oh, my God, I don't even know how to get this out of my system, because this is just so, it's just so warm. That record, the first self-titled record is just like, it just sticks to you like glue. You can't get it off of you. It's like you have a stench of really nice music on you when you're done playing that record. The Jehu record. Yes. The stench yeah. of really nice music. Uh-huh. Is that what you just said? It's like, it's like you're, when you go to Subway, you leave the room smelling like Subway. When, when you play this Jehu record, the first one, you cannot get it out of your head. You cannot get that sound of those guitars. and those. I, I just, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's you know an amazing record. I, I've never heard anybody um, liken it to Subway, though. <laughs> it's more of a Chipotle, no, isn't it? No. Oh, no. don't don't do that. <laughs> don't go there. But but all right. So, forgetting Rock from the Crypt. Yeah. The question is, what is better, Yank Crime or the first Drive Like Jehu record? Who wants to answer that? You know, I mean, it's it's a it, it's a tough one, and and we've we've talked about it many times, right? It might have changed over the years. Like I played both records yesterday, back to yes. back, and right. in I, anticipation of this conversation, yeah, right? I wanted to refresh my my palate, right? And I just said to myself, okay, the first record I'm gonna play it first because it came out first, right? And when you play it, <laughs> when you play it. I still had that that taste in my mouth when I finished it. Like I cannot get enough of this. I have to have more. And I just I played it again. Wait, well, you're like salivating. Yes. Or it tastes like uh, a veggie sandwich from Subway. 
No, it's that that bread at Subway. It stinks up the whole place, and you smell like <laughs> it when you leave. It's like <clears throat> I feel like I have a stench. After listening to this, it feels like it just sticks to me. It's just so I can't describe it. I'm the, I'm the only one that feels like this after, about music. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, uh, you're doing a good job. Uh, I'm not sure how, but but you you are painting a picture. Yeah, from the first song on the first record, Caress. Caress. Those guitars, those guitars. I cannot get that sound out of my head when I'm listening to it. It's just like, oh my god, this is just this is not a guitar. It sounds like a horn. Right. <laughs> right. Do you know any other band that has guitars that sounds like horns? No, you know, uh, they're making a lot of noises on those records that are kind of like, and there's a lot of noises on like Yank Rhyme, like that sort of whistling, that like that trilling type of feedback. Yeah. I'm not sure what's happening there. So, so it sounds like you think, Gabe, that the, uh, the first record is better. There's times when I want to play the first record and don't want to hear anything else. But the last few years, when, when they came back around, and played some shows. I wanted to hear Yank Cram more because that one just stuck with me probably for a shorter time. And I didn't overplay it so much, so I wanted to hear that. And uh, today, if I had to pick one over the other, it'd be the first one. Really? Yes, still. Really? Because yes. I swear to God, the last time we talked about this, you were team Yank Crime. I know, but I, I when I get when I get to Yank Crime and I play it, I, I want to hear... I want to hear uh, like the first four or five songs, and I get to the end. I'm like, wow, these songs are long, and they they might be a little too much for me. I, I don't know if I can. I'm not in the mood to hear this anymore. Pretty That's intense. Just, it's it's a lot. It's a lot to handle. When you get to the end of that record, you better be ready. You're drained. <laughs> yes, it's not that it's not good. It, it's great, dude. But you know, you got here come the Rome plows. You got Luau, Super Unison. I mean, yes, but isn't listen to this though. Rome plows. Isn't that in 5-4? <laughs> I don't know. There's been a lot of talk lately about 5-4, and I don't think a lot of people even understand what 5-4 is, and I'm one of those people who doesn't understand what 5-4 is. I get it. I know that the intro of White Room is in 5-4. I know that Spin the Bottle is in 5-4, <laughs> but uh, I don't know how to play in 5-4. I know how to. I, I know how I should be counting, but it, it's not something that that, it's not, that it's sounds not natural. like fun. No, it's completely unnatural. But how do people but, do it? Well, you'd have to ask somebody who uh, plays in five four. <laughs> Who's the jazz pianist? Um, Thelonious Monk. Well, that's one, sure. But I'm thinking Dave. Who is it? Dave Grusin? Dave. Dave Grusin? No, is it? Gru- to somebody who has like a famous five four composition, I thought. No, I maybe it's something John fancier Cage, than John that. Cage. No, I'm not. No, 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 no. How dare you, Dave Brubeck? Dave Brubeck. He has a five four composition. I think he has like the most famous of all five four compositions. Dave Brubeck five four time is a thing you, mm. that when you type into Google, it pops right the f up. When it comes to odd time signatures, especially 5-4, most people look no further than Dave Brubeck's classic Time Out, which featured Take oh. 5 and Blues Rondo a la Turk. Well, oh, Blues well, Rondo a la Turk is a song. Wait a minute. Blues Rondo a la Turk is a song in 9-8 time. 
Incredible. So maybe we need some help on this. So we could ask Rick Froberg. Well, it's Rick Froberg, everybody. Here he is. So, so Rick, we were just uh, arguing about what's better, the first Jehu record or the second Jehu record. You got any thoughts on that? Yeah, definitely the second one. Yeah, definitely the second one? Yeah, it's not even close. I don't, I don't, I don't think I should know. Not even <laughs> close? No, I don't think so. Not from my point. Not from my not. I don't think I don't think that first one is as good as the, as the second one is. Oh, I think that first one is fucking great. But I mean, you you can't find it anywhere. I'm kind of corrupt in the whole situation. I can't really, you know. Right. Look. Obviously, it, it's, it's an unfair question to ask you. It's not unfair. I just I just uh, I just uh, man, I I uh, I really think the second one's better. It's just, it's just more. I mean, had if we were more better formed band and. When the first record came out, we had only been a band for months. Whereas when the second record, we'd been around for quite a while, well, a few years, a couple of years at least, and we'd been playing a lot, playing lives, all these things, and uh, we just went that far along in the development when we made the first record. Scott, I don't, I don't, Scott, I don't think you you said which one you like better out of the two. Well, I don't think there's a right answer. I mean, it, it's a, it's it's kind of impossible to say. But you know, being like that first record, kind of like really, you know, I'll never forget hearing that. So that you know, it's kind of like that first love type of thing, I guess. But I think it's great because uh, you I know, mean, yeah, it's hard for me to say. <laughs> yeah, there's I mean, there's like pop songs on there. You know, it's it's kind of like. It, it's it's got it, it's got yeah. uh, different 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 feels on there, you know. Yeah, I understand. It's 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 diff- it's different. Um, yeah, I don't know. They're pretty different. Uh, uh, I just yeah, I just I just think, yeah, I just think they're they're really they're pretty different just because of the uh, when the, the first record came out, it was pretty thrown together, and we we were pretty new at playing with each other and all that. Um, and I think it just got better uh, to me on the second record. I like it better. Um, yeah, it's it is different. I mean, it's. I mean, I can't I can't tell you how many bands you know. Like, I think their first record is the best one. It's, I mean, there's a million bands like that. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. No, I mean the second record is is. You're right. I mean it's it's more focused. I mean, and, and that's the record that like everybody talks about is yank crime because it, it's just a band that's been around more so it's it's it's, it's kind of it's just just it just yeah it just, it's, it, it's intense it it's more more intense yeah how's your year been what, what, yeah, you, you, i mean shitty i mean it's like a, it's like everyone else's i mean it's 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 you can't do anything you can't go anywhere i mean it's not really very it's not what i'm into <laughs> yeah but you've been working right yeah i've been working yeah yeah the last concert I saw before everything shut down was Hot Snakes at Belly Up in San Diego. You were there at that? I was there with the Lost Dug Dugs. Oh, cool. Those, are, those guys are amazing. Yeah. That um, was the la- last date of that tour, right? It was. It was the last one. And that was the, the day that the, sort of the lights started to go out. And, well, not. It was actually weird. We were coming down the coast and like the cities one by one were just we'd be... The day after we left, it'd be like everything shut down. 
Yeah. Everybody just stayed open for you. Yeah, half and half the people came. It was so, it was, that was a sold-out show, but they only, either, they only let half the people in or uh, a lot of people just didn't go. Yeah, people um, were starting to freak out at by that Yeah, people point. were freaking out. Um, and they just, uh, yeah, they didn't go, and that was it. And then I got home back to New York about two days later, and then New York was shut down the day after I got back. And then since then, I haven't really been anywhere. Jeez. Uh, yeah, yeah no. we were we were supposed to play the belly up the, the night after you guys played, and so mm. so while we were at the show, the the guy came out and he's like, "Yeah, it's not happening tomorrow. Everything's shutting down." And we're like, "All right, this is if this is the last show we're ever going to see, it, we could have done yeah. worse." Yeah, we just snuck in there. That that's that's, that's that sucks for you guys, man. That's that's really uh, yeah. A lot of people. I mean, we had plans and stuff like that for after that. But we didn't have anything. We didn't buy any plane tickets or anything like that, so we were okay. Uh, but yeah, some people got got really screwed. Did you drive back home to New York? To New York? No, no, I flew. Oh, I you flew? flew. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It wasn't until like the day after I got back that everything started to uh, go crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We got shut down when we were in San Diego, so it was about as far as we possibly could have gotten away from Chicago. And then, like, all right, the tour's over. You drive back yeah, home. Yeah, that's 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 uh, that's rough, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, how long you've been living in Brooklyn? Like, because we were we were talking, and I just I don't know. I'm sorry. I just assumed that you know you were you were in San Diego. Uh, now I've lived here for 23 years. <laughs> God, damn. When did you meet uh, John Reese? Uh, I mean, w- was it for Pitchfork or was it before Pitchfork? I mean, did you guys go to school was, together? Uh, he went to school in San Diego proper, in Pacific Beach. I, I went to school in, in North County, San Diego. And I think I met him. I met him at the, this, this anarchy picnic thing. They had uh, this, this uh, it's like a Bayside Park, uh, oh, I think it was Mariner's Point. I'm not sure what, what exactly what part of the park was, but uh, yeah, all these punk bands played. His punk band was one that played what they called Coitus Interruptus. <laughs> and uh, they played, and I met him there. Um, it was a, quite a day. And then you started doing Pitchfork? No. Then uh, we just started sort of hanging out, and I would go down there at the time I didn't have a car. I think he was still in high school. I was out of high school by a year. And I would come down there once in a while on a weekend, ride the bus, which took like you know, two and a half hours down there. And uh, we'd hang out and, you know, just friends and whatever, run around on skateboards and smoke pot or whatever. And um, we finally started playing together when he had his, he had his another, another band called Conservative Itch, and uh, which had this revolving cast of whatever like local punkers who could play something and I was a singer of that for like a couple practices then they started Pitchfork without me a friend of I introduced to John uh, I think Don who played bass and he had his friend Joey who played drums and uh, they started Pitchfork and it, it went on it was it was it went for about a year or less maybe less than a year with just John would sing and he didn't want to sing so we wanted a singer. Um, they had this other guy named Matt Franco, I think, for a minute. But he couldn't commit, and he uh, didn't have anything to sing through. 
Hmm. And I was the person who bought a PA because I had a twin reverb that I bought off somebody and I sold the twin reverb for a, for a crappy PA. And so I, by default, got the job singing with the fork because no one else was going to do it. Right. And you weren't playing guitar. I mean, I just... But no, I, 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 that today. I dabbled. I like, doink around on my guitar, but I was I wasn't a very good guitar player. Still ain't. Um, it's like I just had it, and I, I had a I had a really nice pre CBS Twin Reverb that I bought for like two hundred bucks off of this music teacher who didn't who didn't know what they had or, or he had or didn't didn't care, and I had like an old uh, like a. I was like a mid '60s Jaguar Sunburst one, and I would sit and dork, dork around with that, and I'd try to make up sounds. I didn't know any chords, and I thought I'd just do that. So I, I wasn't, I wasn't able to play guitar in pitchfork. Um, I, I wasn't a guitar player at all. Right. So it didn't matter. So I figured, you know, I'll just this is how I'm gonna get the band. So. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to picture me. It's hard for me to picture you singing without playing the guitar. Mm. Yeah, it's but I it's one of the biggest reasons I I just I just I I wanted to play guitar in a band was so I had something to do besides just sing. Cause that's fucking lame, man. It's like it's it, it, all these weird, stupid things get delegated to you, like crowd control. Like I, you know, I don't want to control the crowd. <laughs> that's not my that's not my uh, area of expertise. Right. And when you have a guitar, you can always you know turn your back to the audience and pretend like you're doing something with the guitar, or if somebody's heckling with you, you could always just turn up your guitar really loud and start feeding back or something like that. It's just it's just it's just like, it's like being armed. It's great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, what was the scene in San Diego like? At that time? Um, very small, but very supportive at that point. Um, people were. Um, there was a long time we had like a you know like especially in the '80s when we had like a really bad hardcore scene which was really violent and I think it's like stuff of legend violent even for other people from other places it's really bad mm. it was and um, at one point bands like Pitchfork and lots of other bands but it's sort of Night Night Song and one of them um, bands from every sort of walk of life you know like you know, Crash Worship and funky bands and reggae bands we all decided to sort of band together and have like a music scene that was just that rejected the hardcore scene because it was just just a nightmare right and uh, out of that kind of thing came a lot of cross pollination and stuff like that and different kinds of people playing with each other and stuff like that and it was really healthy it was really cool it was small and it wasn't really no one really gave a fuck about it until pretty much until like Jehu and Rocket got signed to a major label and then sort of band but um, it was a really healthy, small scene. Everyone supported each other, and there was no, not a lot of infighting or anything like that. It was, it was really good. Yeah. So was that true that uh, that signing Jehu was part of the deal for signing Rock to Interscope? I mean, how that was? We always heard stories uh, about that. that. We did this whole weird thing when 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 there was all this interest in it because there was this whole this crazy next Seattle thing. Mm-hmm. And so they came to San Diego, uh, and they discovered there was a bunch of bands that people liked that were kind of, you know, sort of under the radar, and they could get them for cheap or whatever. And and Rock and Jay, who were sold as kind of like as a package because they were the same guitar player um, and singer in, that, in their case. So right. yeah, it was just it was just sold like that because it was 
it gives you more clout, more bargaining power, or whatever. Um, and different people, different record labels were interested in different things. Like uh, some labels were more interested in Rocket because they're going to be, you know, they're going to make, you know, pop punk songs or whatever. And right. um, some were more interested in us because they're going to make their label look credible. Uh-huh. <laughs> they wanted like a they wanted like a Sonic Youth type of band or something like that. And that's why I, I mean I asked like the guy Ted Field who owned the Interscope point blank like why do you want our bands on the label? We play like ten long songs. He's like oh I think it to you know enhances the credibility of the trick of it. And that's that's what he said. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so like so when you're recording the record was was there like. People hanging out from Interscope, or, or were they just like didn't fuck with you guys at all? They didn't fuck with us at all. Um, once we had like everything in writing, like because you because you asked for we asked for like no interference with the artwork and with, and with the songs, like demoing, no having to do videos, all the stuff that like you know bands kind of made to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got. We got away with all. We had a really good lawyer. Um, his name was Rosemary Carroll. He was the wife of the late Jim Carroll. And um, oh yeah, I remember her. Yeah, yeah. She was also married to one of the guys, uh, the guy who ran Interscope. Uh, uh, Ivan? Jimmy Ivan? No, no, no. That was that's 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 Atlantic. I guess it was Interscope Atlantic, so they're kind of connected. Uh-huh. Um, I met that guy. That guy's crazy. Um, <laughs> how much touring did you guys do on that record because we saw we saw that tour at Lounge Acts, um, oh, yeah. but I, I don't remember you guys touring all that much for that record uh, no we toured we did a we did a US tour that's the one we saw we did maybe a couple coastal tours maybe before that record didn't come out we did a European tour maybe maybe one um, yeah, not that much. Maybe two, three tours. I don't. I don't think we did that much. When we broke up. And why was that? Oh, why did we break up? I think we broke up for a variety of reasons. One is because there was kind of tension in the band because um, John was was dividing his attention between two bands, and there was a lot of times we wanted to do something and we couldn't do it because Rocket more. Cooperating more with the sort of industry stuff, they were doing videos and doing appearances and touring all the time, and you know, trying to like really do it. And Jay was like, "Eh, we just play this arty and we do what we want to," you know. So, mm. um, so naturally, John would spend more time with that because it was just no demand. And you know, people in the band didn't like that that much. Some, you know. What is it with Drive Like Jehu and emo bands? What is it? Yeah. Like every time, you know. You'd have to ask somebody bring, else. I don't know. People will bring up emo all the time. And I, I, I don't know. I don't know what they're talking about. Maybe I don't know what emo is. Um, I don't know. I think we check a lot of the boxes for emo. It's like loud. Lots of dynamics. Lots of histrionics. Um, yeah. I mean, I can see why people call us that. But we weren't. At the time, there was not the only emo, the only time I'd heard that word leveled at someone was Right to Spring. Right. I wasn't, I wasn't 
I wouldn't be bummed out to be associated with them at all. <laughs> no, yeah. I no. thought they were amazing. Um, but uh, after that, I think I think we might be sort of the you know, progenitors of that sort of. Um, but we did, we just we like you know we like listen like you know rock music. <laughs> we weren't like I don't know. There wasn't any emo bands for us to really get into unless you count right. that to spring. You ran a fanzine, though, right? I did have a fanzine, yeah. I only had, it was only like two issues. But um, I did a good job on it. <laughs> I had it offset print and everything. And I, and I really sweated the layout. And I even got some of the art with typeset. Very expensive myself. What was, the, what was the name of the fanzine? It was called Subculture. with its name, but that's what it's called. And... This is pretty early in my punkiness, <laughs> so it's kind of dumb. And no one has any of I did a zine back in the early 90s, and I, I was selling them for like 75 cents or a dollar. I think the last one was a dollar fifty. How'd you print it? Uh, I grew up in a print shop, and my dad worked as a printer at Pressman, and I had him do it after hours. So, yeah. Sweet. That's so sick. Is that, is that where you got your interest in graphic design? Uh, I don't know. I guess so. I guess that is. I guess that is where I got my interest in graphic design because it's the first thing I ever did like that, apart from make some flyers, which is, uh, um, I guess, kind of graphic design. <laughs> um, and I was always, you know, I, I was through, um, but actually designing things and putting things together like that was new and it was a cool experience. I learned a lot and I actually ended up getting a, pretty real job out of it which is good to this day you still do that right yes yeah, we'll do uh, I mean I don't do a lot of design like I don't actively look for employment as a, as a designer but um, uh, but I can do it it's just it's, I have kind of a crappy aesthetic so it's, it's, it's not really, it doesn't lend itself to a lot of things you know like I can't do like a Website for a hedge fund or something like that. I have to just kind of like <laughs> punker types asking for stuff. That's pretty much happening. So was that what you you figured you're gonna do? Like when you left uh, or when uh, Drive Like Jehu broke up, and did you move to New York right away after that? Or I lived in San Diego until 1998. So Jehu broke up in '94. So I lived there for four years after that. In that time, I was yeah, I was doing art stuff, and I was uh, I got a job working at a glass blowing studio, which is cool. I worked there for a few years, three years or something like that. Um, and then I had a girlfriend who moved to New York, and I moved out there at some point after going out to visit a lot. Um, and I just ended up staying in New York. Right. So, did you think you were like out of rock and roll? Did you feel like I'm out? That's it. Fuck this. No. No, I didn't feel like that. I felt, I don't know how I felt. Um, I just felt like I was going to focus on the other thing. You know, I tried to do that for a while. And, um, and that's, it was kind of a lot. Like, I mean, even though, even though, um, sounds like we didn't do that much, we just, it, was, it just felt like a lot. Mm -hmm. It's it time to maybe try something else for a while. Yeah. And it was nothing that like was like I wasn't ex that excited to play with anybody 
else that I, that I, that I knew around here or around there. Sorry. Um, although I, you know, I messed around. Um, I just, I don't know. I'm ready for that. Right. Right. So, so, so John started getting hot snakes together with Jason. Is, is that what happened? And then they said, come on in and pulled you back in like Al Pacino. Jason, Jason, um, and John were friends because Rock would stand silly a lot with our friend Brian, the late Brian Dilworth. Um, and Jason and they would, they would, they hung, they hung out there a lot and it was kind of their favorite place to be on the East Coast. And they would, uh, Jason and John became friends. And Jason was a Delta summer from Delta 72 at the time. Right. He was also in uh, Mule and uh, a few other things. And um, they, John played him some songs he had, which were the Hotsnick songs. And he was like, yeah, we should record these. So they just then, they just recorded them. And eventually, John came through town here with Rocket, and I hung out, and he uh, played me the Hotsnick stuff. I was like, oh, I love this. This is amazing. If you want to sing that, so that was it. Right. Yeah, I met Jason when he was on tour with, uh, when Burning Brides was on tour with us. And, and he's like, he's like, uh, yeah, this, I'm in Hot Snakes. I was like, oh, oh, you are. And I, I think the first time I saw you guys was in Philadelphia. Okay. Oh, uh, well, our first show was in Philadelphia. Actually, we played at the at the our first show was at the Kyber. I think I was there. Oh. <laughs> okay. So which uh, which Hot Snakes record is the best? Which Hot Snakes record is the best? Yeah. No, I listen to Hot Snakes records in a while. Um, I don't know. They all have the Hot Snakes is weird. Like they all all the records have their moments that I like. Mm-hmm. And they have a bunch of they have a bunch of songs that I'd like. I'm like, yeah, I don't need to hear that again. <laughs> um, so you're a Thunder Down Under man? No, not really. Yeah, okay. Um, I I really couldn't say. Yeah, it's easy, but Hot Snakes is not that easy. Jericho Sirens is pretty goddamn good. I mean, it's it's amazing to me that that record yeah, is pretty good. It's so good great. Yeah, after so long of where you guys weren't doing anything, and then you just come roaring back with something like that. That's a good group of guys. We can come up with good stuff. We can, we can, we can still hang. So, I mean, the, the thing that, that's interesting to me about all your stuff is like, even with Pitchfork, you, you definitely, it, the groundwork is sort of laid out there. Like, you know, it, and Jehu, it's, with Jehu, it's, it's a little different. And with Hot Snakes, it's a little different. But the, gr- the groundwork and the personality is there. And maybe it's just because it's your voice and the, the, the guitars. Um, well, the, the, the common denominator is it's me and John and all the bands. Right. So that, that part of it is, yeah, that makes sense. So, I mean, do, but, do, you, do you think if you had no, you know, like, you know, switched up rhythm sections, you would have kept calling it pitchfork, for example? I don't know. I, I think, I think there's like a, like a, like a maybe a one member rule kind of with the stuff. Mm. You can't really if you start replacing all the people, it really isn't the same thing after a while. And pitchfork, the bit, the, the bad pitchfork that you hear on that record, that eucalyptus record, isn't really pitchfork in mm-hmm. the sense that mostly, I mean it is, but it, but most of the most of the stuff that there's a lot of bad pitchfork people didn't hear. Um, but it was it was uh, the Don was a really big part of that band. And um, and when he was gone, it was kind of like, eh. It was kind of like, wasn't really the same thing. 
He was, it was, he was a really important part of it. Well, what makes Hot Snakes different than Drive Like Jehu other than the people? I mean, is there, is there an aesthetic behind it that's like, this yeah, is shorter, what separates them? them? Shorter and more simple. Yeah. yeah. This Drive Like Jehu was a product of like, like kind of more democracy where the Hot Snakes is a product of the division of labor. Everyone does their, their thing. And they have their, have, has their own little whatever, their little state. And, um, and then Trevor Gehu was like, you know, everyone was sort of like always putting in their input. And, um, and that resulted in really long songs. <laughs> right, right. So is that and I just... like long, long songs are fun to play, but I yeah. don't know why people want to sit and listen to them sometimes. Like, <laughs> it's, like, it's like, it's like you're asking a lot. Um, and we, yeah, we just, we just like, we just, we just like some rock and roll a lot. I think, that, uh, for example, Mark does not like dumb rock and roll. He thinks dumb rock and roll is dumb, whereas we think it's like the greatest thing ever. Right. So it's, uh, there's, there's creative differences that definitely between those two bands. Right. Well, like the obits. I mean, is that, is that like your more close to your idea of? I mean, the, the, of all the stuff you've done, that that one. That's again, again, the product of of. of of, uh, you know, the people that are, that are in it. And, but it's definitely more like, as far as like guitar sounds and song structure and stuff like that, you're getting a way, way bigger dose of what I do guitar wise and stuff like that. than you would in hot snakes or in die the like, Oh, what you do guitar wise that. Yeah. Way yeah. More. Huh? Just like um, less angular riffs and more, Cordy just, type of thing? I don't know. Just, just different. Just like it's, it's more of a bouncier, thumpier thing. It's definitely cleaner. Uh, I there's a lot of reverb on my guitar and stuff like that. It's, it's, a, it's a completely different thing. I like, but I, I can hear some of those <laughs> surf vibes in, you know, stuff like. Yeah, clean guitar and reverb. That's going to say, yeah. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's definitely, yeah, there's definitely surfy things going on in Hot Snakes. Sure. Um, right, but I don't think you could have gotten away with a song like "Back and Forth" on on a Hot Snakes record. Could have gotten away with it, but I don't. I don't think it would. Have, it wouldn't have been. Um, it's got to be kind of fun to play for the people involved too. And like a song like "Back and Forth" is not a song that John would get that much kick. I don't think you'd get a kick out of playing it. It's kind of like, you know, it's not his thing. Right. Yeah, no, I love I love that song. It's like a Stonesy thing is happening. You almost sound like Mick on that track too. Yeah, you know, it's like it's like that's kind of more of the vibe we're going for, like more of a Stonesy rock kind of thing. You know, like I don't know, Stonesy, but uh, yeah, you know, that kind of thing. Um, like early Stones, like like really early sixties. Uh, yeah. Trashy stones. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. We're playing with kind of the same kind of the kind of crummy two guitars, pretty clean. Uh, a bouncy bass player plays with like flat one strings and, and um, bouncy drummer, and then a less bouncy drummer, and Alexis. It changed from Alexis. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just kind of a, a whole different animal <laughs> so are there any plans uh like things are starting to 
gear back up. Are there any plans? Are you guys talking about doing anything? Uh, starting back up um, with hot snakes? I, it remains to be seen how, how gearing up things are going to be, but I mean, maybe, maybe they're gearing up. Uh, I've, I've seen posters and stuff like the big festivities of, you know, 10,000 bands on them. Um, and Mahmoud said that they're he's trying to go to and stuff like that, but um, I'm not sure what, what we'll do. I think we have to be pretty, pretty sure that it is going to work out for us because we, you know we can't afford to like book a tour and then have it be cancelled um, and also I think that people's the confidence of people to go back in clubs and stuff like that is, is going to come back however it comes back and I'm, I'm not sure if it's going to happen quickly or slowly or, or whatever but um, we'll probably have to wait a little bit to see what happens and then Take it from there. All right. Well, it was good to talk to you. Yeah, good to talk to you guys too. Were, were you guys all in Chicago? No, I'm in Chicago. Uh, ben is in uh, Madison, and Gabe is in. Where are you in South Carolina? South Carolina. I don't say that very confidently, but uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Right, Gabe, cool. any so- any final questions? I was the only one that didn't know that Rick was going to be on this thing. I thought it was just going to be us talking about the two records. So I had all these notes of oh. all, all the songs. Scott has a way of just joking around with me, not not cluing me in on what's happening. Even though, we, you know, you've been in my ear for 20-something years, I think I should have had a heads up. Maybe so. I don't know. But, I, you know. Well, I just thought well, it would be a surprise. I, I, I don't have to go anywhere if you want to ask it. Or anything. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, the first thing we talked about was Rome Plows and how the song is in 5-4. Is that is that correct? I think so, yes. Like, you think so? <laughs> I, I just play it. I don't, I've heard that said. I don't, I, I, I can't, once, once things get out of fours and twos and eights, then I stop counting. <laughs> I just, I just, and I, and I just start listening or into, uh, you know, intuiting or whatever you call it. I don't, I don't, uh, if I start counting, I, my eyes glass it. I play with any kind of mathematical anything, so I just, I just. Uh, it's it's strange to hear. I can tell what it is. I can I can feel what it is. I know what it is, but I don't count it. You just feel it. Yeah. It's strange to I, hear that you're not much for that kind of thing because when people compare the two Jehu records, they they talk about the second one being more math rock. Have you ever heard that? Or that's 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 true. Um, it's new that's, math. That's, that's that's not that's not that doesn't come from me. That's more of a think of Mark thing and a John thing. They uh, really liked Mark liked that kind of challenge, and John liked things like Breadwinner and uh, <laughs> things things with the uh, math rock tendencies, like anything Penn does. And um, for me, it was like, why don't we just do this four times instead of? Five and a half or whatever, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't, I, I don't see the point of, of the math thing. But it's, uh, it's, it was fun to play the songs. That even if they were mathy, we, we still managed to, to make them go. I guess. <laughs> um, I guess I want to ask you about that that reunion show you did in San Diego with Drive Jehu that kind of spurred the idea to play more shows. I mean, 
I don't remember if that was pay-per-view or not, but I, I definitely watched it. I might have paid for it, but, you know, was that like... Really? I don't remember if it was I free think. or not, but I would have paid if I had to. Oh, <laughs> uh, I thought it was just a show. I didn't I didn't know there was some sort of uh, telecast or anything like that. Maybe I, maybe I, I was I just didn't. wanting it to be paid because I wanted to contribute because, you know, living in Chicago, I, I we couldn't fly to San Diego to see this one show. I mean, I probably could have, but right. I mean, right. was... The, how did that come about? Was that just something that you guys said, "Hey, we gotta we gotta close this thing, or we gotta finish pick it up"? Um, what happened was this guy, this guy named Dang, um, is is a is our friend, and he um, he actually was on the board of the uh, whatever the the pipe organ or whatever in San Diego, and he, he was uh, and a lot of people who were uh, also on the on the board. I don't know how he got on the board or why he got on the board. But he was like the youngest person there, and all the all the people who were uh, involved were like, "Yeah, no one wants to go to see the, the pipe organ, you know." Right? Like, why? I can think of something that make people come. And he offered. He said, "Hey, why don't you do a Jehu thing and, uh, and have the pipe organ play with it?" And like, oh, that sounds pretty neat. So, um, so we did that, and after that, then people started asking us to play, and then you know, something like that. Like, okay. <laughs> It seemed like a cool vibe there because, like, there's. I remember watching that, and everybody seemed like they were on the stage, just kind of hanging out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was nice. It was a. It was a really nice day, and it was a really, uh, it's a really beautiful spot. Um, fortunately, I could not hear the pipe organ. I didn't. I didn't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be really distracting. The, the pipes were way above our heads, so I don't know how much it, a part of the sound it was. Um, but it was cool, you know. My, my parents came, and there's like a lot of people. Um, yeah, yeah. It was a nice, it was a nice, uh, nice thing. I usually don't care for playing outdoors, but it was that uh, was actually a nice, nice uh, experience. Well, that kind of that show kind of turned you guys into an outdoor band. I mean, the last time I saw you was yeah, a, a that's fun, a, fun fest. Uh, what? Where? Fun, fun, fun fest, and. I mean, Isn't we do those Austin? things. We we play those things, but I I don't think it's an outdoor band. It's definitely it's definitely an indoor thing. It's uh, mm. um, I don't know. I mean, there probably are people who like to play outdoors. I, you know, get on them, but I I, uh, I really don't like to play outdoors. The reason we play outdoors is because it's a festival, and they're probably giving me a lot of money right. to play that festival. If if I had my brothers, we'd, we'd be playing at clubs. Because it just it's a club acts as a speaker of its own, and it's just not just like your guitars are just going out and just dying, you know. Yeah. It's something there's a whole a whole room reverberating, it's a stage reverberating underneath you, and it's like it's just so much more. It's just a way better experience of the whole thing, I think. Yeah. What else you got, Gabe? I don't know. I didn't have questions prepared because you didn't tell me he was going to be here. But, uh, <laughs> I was going to talk about. I was going to talk about just the songs on the, each record, but uh, no. It, Go it, ahead. I mean, it, it's like you don't have to prepare anything. It's kind of, <laughs> you know, you, you you say you you like playing on long songs and like playing them, and, but not listening to them. But the, one of the main reasons I liked the first record better than the second, myself, the songs might have been long in the first one, but they they weren't. They, they had a lot of parts to them, as opposed to the second record, where there's a lot of repeating, you know, riffs and long intros and stuff like that, where it, it, it for some reason to me, the first record, that's why I like the first record better, is more, 
they seem like they're complicated songs more than the second, even though. Yeah, maybe... that's that's probably why I like it less. I like <laughs> I like I, I like less complicated and more. I like repetition. I like um, openness and not uh, I, I, something you can sort of get into as opposed to like thinking about all the time. That's probably why. One of the reason I like the uh, second record better. Why? And you know, but for a listener. If that's the kind of thing you're into, yeah, the first record is definitely more um, heartbeat. Well, I'm surprised, Gabe, that you you're, you seemed like you've, you're making up your mind that you like the self-titled one more than Yank Crime. Because the last time we talked, it seemed like you liked Yank Crime more. Well, I think that, you're just going through a phase. Yeah, just like just like we were talking about the Beatles. I mean, sometimes Abbey Road is something you got to play, and sometimes you want to hear help. You know, and they're not even... And then not even similar. So okay, <laughs> it's, it's just the mood. Right. But they're classic albums that you have to, you know, treat yourself to listen to, and you know, and and it's just they're just so great albums. I mean, I, if I had to pick today, I'll say the first one. A couple of years ago, we talked about this, and I said the second one. You know, a song like Super Unison just has the the such a I don't know. That part where you break it down and you say, "Wasn't it wasn't me that phoned?" You know that that whole part of that song right there. Yeah, it's, it's a nice part. It flows good. It's I think it's the best part of the whole record. You know, I mean, it, yeah, it's honestly. awesome. And you That's you a, cannot. It's like the middle of the record. It's like right damn in the middle, and you know, it's it's not a single or anything. It's just it's just a perfect part of a song, and and you you just listen to it and you get oh my god, I got to play that again. But it's like a yeah. That's a that's a good part. I know the part you mean. I always like that part too. And it's uh, it is it's, but it like speaks to like a little bit more musical sophistication on that record than on the first one, which is just like kind of spazzy. Um, right. Plus, it's a that, super it's a super creepy lyric. Yeah, it's super nonsensical. I don't know. <laughs> it wasn't me that phoned. Don't let that man inside your home. It's kind of scary. Well, it's kind of noari, I guess. I don't know. That's that's kind of kind of going for it. So that first record's not available like on any streaming site. Are are you aware of that? Well, that's the whole thing because because both those records. I'm not I'm not sure exactly what's going on with the second record, but but the first record is uh, still owned and presumably sold by a Cargo Records, um, who have never paid us. Uh-huh. Um, we still have the record and I don't really understand why we don't have that record but if you buy that record we don't make a cent from it um, yeah that record is you don't own it um, do, 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 or maybe they just owe us a lot of money I'm not sure or maybe they owe us well, not a lot of money I don't know how many records that's pulled but uh, the second one is a little different it's yeah, it's crazy dropped by, that it's dropped by Interscope, so I'm not sure. Uh, we we did at one point have some of those made, like by maybe the Revolver or something like that. I'm, I have to talk to, to John; he would know more about that. I'm not sure. Of what? Of Yang Crime or the first one? Uh, of either one. Okay. Um, well, be well, be nice if to have like Sub Pop do both of them or something like that. Um, so we would actually get paid from. Right. It's crazy to me that you were able to get the Interscope record and release that 
but you can't get the the headhunter record. Yeah, there's a lot. There's you know back in the old days, there's a lot of talk about like major labels suck and indie record, indie labels are great, and it's really mm-hmm. it really doesn't matter. I mean, it's, it's, it's either a good label or a bad label. Interscope was a better label, and they're, they're more on the up and up than fucking Cargo was. Right. Sure. All right, man. All right, guys. It was really nice to to talk to you guys, and um, uh, I hope this. Uh, you can probably edit out some of the stuff boring or whatever. And, uh... <laughs> All right. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, Rick. Thank All right, you. guys. Good night. See you later. You too. Bye. Bye. How long ago did you set this up? <laughs> <laughs> He's going to set it up tomorrow. Last week. Well, I got, I got one of the emails, and it said, Rick, uh, our Zoom call is so-and-so, and, and it didn't have a link on it. I'm like, Rick, who's 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 Rick? And then I thought, maybe, maybe they're getting, you know, Rick on. And I'm like, well, I don't know. Shit. I sent him an invitation, but I only sent and it to And you weren't him. supposed to send it to Rick. Uh, you weren't supposed to send it to Gabe. I didn't, but maybe he's automatically on it because he's already in the meeting. I don't know. Did you get that? Uh, I mean, I, I think so. Oh, fuck. Oh, so, you, so you're mad at me, Gabe? Is that, is that what's going on here? No, it's just uh, I didn't realize what was going on there because I thought something was up because yesterday was so late in the game where you said, okay, we're doing this. It's like, well, I don't think you waited this long to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe you're just that busy these days. I don't know. Well, he told me to, uh, to uh, check in with him yesterday. Okay, so you didn't have it confirmed. No, we kind of had it confirmed, but he he wanted to uh, 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 confirm yesterday or or check in or something like that. So I was like, well, if he can't do it, I don't want to ruin this idea because, you know, then have try to pull one over on you the next time when he could do it. What was that like for you guys? Meaning an idol like that I mean it was cool I I mean this is the first person that we've interviewed that I don't know and I and I and I realized that I've got a lot of work to do <laughs> in, in that respect I, I knew Gabe would either go what what the fuck holy cow or he'd just be like uh just completely quiet and, and roll with it I, I it didn't occur to me that it would make him mad though no, I, I could have prepared a little differently, but I had notes at least. I had, at least I had some notes to talk about, and I had some memories about things, and it, I think it went okay. It added something. Right. And he seemed like he wanted to talk about some stuff, so that was cool. Yeah. And I wouldn't, I'm not the kind of person that goes up to bands and just starts talking to them, having a conversation, because you can see him at a show, he'll be standing there, and, and I'm not right. the kind of person that's just going to go up, hey, what's going on? You know, I don't do that. Yeah. So in this situation, I have to, and it's 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 pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I just felt like I was annoying. But Gabe, all those years that you were out on the road, being part of the band and part of the team and part of you know behind the scenes, didn't you? Didn't you learn how to like talk to other bands and and people and rock stars that you bumped into, and didn't it become sort of a normal thing for you? It was, it was, I was never meeting bands that I almost just 
played religiously, you know? Right. I remember right. one time Scott was uh, doing something and Juliana was in town, or maybe it was before her show or something, mm-hmm. and we were sitting somewhere, and she came up and sat with us, and I didn't know she was going to be sitting there. And and I was supposed to be part of the conversation somehow, when it, and it was hard to do because I was such a big fan. Do you remember that, Scott? Wait, no, I wasn't listening. What what happened? <laughs> there was a time when we were out to dinner and Juliana came and sat at our table. When we were where? I don't know. It might have been in Chicago and you were torn with her or something, whatever. And I don't remember, but I remember she sat down at our table and I was like, oh, my, I don't know what to say here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be an idiot if I open my mouth. No, I don't remember that. What, we were eating or, or, or something and she just... I think I walked think, over yeah. out of the blue. Maybe you didn't tell me she was going to be there. I don't know. <laughs> it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thing that I do. <laughs> yeah. But I've never really got <clears throat> got to meet and hang with people that I listened to their music for for years and years and years. Like like this, it was it was all right. Yeah. Well, I you know it's I I don't know I I just it. Uh, it did not go the way I thought it was going to go. Well, we, you got to, I don't know, you got to figure out I, how to get your groove. Uh, well, dude, <laughs> I was like, I was like, all right, this will be good. You know, I don't know him, uh, you know, and I was just kind of like, like all right, this will be fine. And then uh started talking and every question would go over like a lead balloon. <laughs> and I was like, all right, well, I got to try to figure out how to get around this. And, well, and he only like came alive when Gabe started talking to him. I was like, all right, I should just <laughs> shut up and get out of the way. How did you contact him, get his number, get his information to do this? Um, uh, we Mahmoud knows him, so we both know Mahmoud. And Mahmoud had, intru- uh, um, you know, from Flower, he had uh, introduced yeah. me to him uh, when I saw them in Austin. We were hanging out. But, um, you know, he doesn't remember... He wouldn't remember uh, meeting me. Um, but so, yeah, Mahmoud just, like, reached out to him via email. And, uh, I mean, you know, we were talking about these records the other week, and Mahmoud had been, has been listening to the show. And so he was like, yeah, you know, I'll introduce you guys via email. And he did, and it was, you know, really laid back and cool. And uh, Rick kind of warned us or warned me that he he's had some problems with Zoom uh, so I thought, I thought, uh, you know, we'll be okay. And then, you know, we had problems with that. So I think by the time he, by the time he got on with us, he might've been fucking over it. <laughs> he didn't look like he hated the whole thing. He just, it, it took a little while to turn him around and then it was fine. No, he didn't look like he hated you. <laughs> Maybe my, he was engaged. You're like, oh, this guy wants to start about 5'4". I'm into that. It's a lot better than talking about were we yeah, packaged I... with rock from the crypt or not. <laughs> well, how do you talk to someone who's the lead singer of a song that's played in 5'4", and he doesn't even, he just goes by feel. He doesn't know, you know, he barely knows he, that it's 5'4". Well, quite honestly, if you're it? not the drummer, you don't give a fuck if it's 5'4". Yeah, I mean, you talk, if you talk to like... Uh, if you talk to Paul McCartney about the time signatures, he'll look at he'll give you that look too. Like, <laughs> I don't know, 
He he does, you know. Yeah. He might that might be a put on in in McCartney's case, but he'll be like, "Yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. It was just totally feel." Yeah, but if I was going to bring up the song New Math because you you listen to that song, you can't even follow mm. it listening to it, let alone playing it. It's called New Math. You 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 don't understand. You barely understand old math. How are you going to understand new math? I know, but the song is so complex that I can't even I don't even know where the song's going, and I've been playing it for 25 years. <laughs> I still don't. Yeah. No, like, I, I think most mu- musicians don't even know they're doing shit like that. Like, think about Metallica. Yeah. And, and think about, you know, if, if, you, if you look at their music, sheet music, you know, the personal, like, right, this is a 7-8 bit, or, you know, then it goes back to 4-4, four, four, or this is a 3-4 bit. They don't know they're doing that. You know they they might, but but my my hunch is that you know that's just the way they play together. They stretch out time and they'll compress it in other places, and they're just fucking around. That's the way they play. Right. That whole bit about emo, I don't I don't understand it either. I guess I should have chimed in. I mean, yeah, it didn't go over well either. But they're lumped in with the emo crowd as if they were doing something that the emo kids today understand when they, and they don't right i think that that that's my thing maybe i don't understand emo and I, I guess when when you look at it through like like a band like rites of spring and if and if that's your starting point for emo i, I get it then i understand but I, you know i don't understand whatever emo has after that i mean i i guess i don't really know what emo is you know it became I mean, Texas is the reason is emo, right? Yeah, they, they they should be, and that's you know that's ni- mid nineties emo, but right, you know, isn't the Cure emo? Uh, could be proto emo, corporate emo maybe. I, I don't know. <laughs> but you know, is is Good Charlotte emo? You know what I mean? Is Good Charlotte music? <laughs> well, not, not 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 good Charlotte, but what's that uh, like that one band that uh uh Three Doors you know, Down? With the, no, with with the guy Eleventh yeah. Dream Day. That's got the video and it's just his face. Uh like Peter Gabriel? No, stop it. <laughs> you you're not being helpful, Ben. Uh come on, you know the guy I don't know. To me, it 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 it, it seems like a bunch of crybaby stuff, uh, or that's what it became. And I don't see one ounce of that in Drive Like Jehu. But then, what is or even Scr- right to spring? What is screamo? Dashboard confessional is what I was what I was oh, thinking yeah. of. Now, is dashboard confessional emo? It's what emo became, or what was was understood to be emo. But it's not. It's not what emo was but right. rights of spring was you know people used to listen to that and cry that was a thing you know because it was so emotional right that's where that's where i thought the emo term came from right you know dc hardcore rock bands that kind of had a soft side to them and then, I, yeah i guess i it just uh that's why i'm saying maybe i don't know what emo is because I've, I've got it wrong which is probably why the question didn't go over. It was usurped. It was taken over by Pop Punk Blink-182. Exactly. It was... Uh, so Dashboard Confessional is more of the 
Bon Jovi version of emo. You could probably get away with saying that. You and then who's the, Springsteen, who's the Springsteen version of emo? The Springsteen of emo? Yeah. I don't know. I think that's Robert Smith. I think it's the cure. God damn it. So, so you're you're really sticking with the secure thing that that's emo. I thought yeah, a lot I, of, I always thought I heard the cure as being like as soon as emo became a word, I think they immediately tagged the cure and they're like you know like yeah, but wasn't cure, but, wasn't cure more goth? Not more. Yeah, goth, I always but, goth and emo are like kissing cousins to me. Right. Really? See, yeah, that's yeah. where I think Ben is coming from. Okay. And and remember that whole period in the in the two thousands where like it seemed like everybody had a band that they sounded like Robert Smith. Like, what was that band, Hot Hot Heat? And I was kind of like, everyone, and even like Cursive. All right. Cursive, okay, Cursive I'm gonna, is emo. Oh, hang on, I've got a list of emo bands here. You ready? <laughs> okay. My Chemical Romance. Okay. Taking Back Sunday. Oh, see, yeah. see, this is what I'm starting to... Jimmy Eat World, which I didn't know they were considered emo, but okay. They're considered emo. Wow, right, but so was Triple Fast Action for a second there, remember? But th- there's a connection between Jimmy Eat World and Triple Fast. Because, there is? Uh, Wes produced that first, oh, not okay. the first, but one of their records. I like that but one it, album. Triple Fast Action ended up on like an emo compilation. Sure. On Deep Elm Records. Right. Oh, Deep and Elm, so, like, I people, know that Emo guy. people would come to their shows because they were on that compilation, mm. and they'd be kind of like... Yeah, we didn't really like it. We we, yeah. <laughs> we came because you were on the, the, the emo thing, but uh, you guys aren't really emo. All right, you ready for some more emo bands? Yeah. Fallout Boy. Yeah, see? Dashboard so Confessional, of, as you mentioned. Right. Go ahead. Sorry. So when you think about these kind of bands, and then you're like, wait, what does Drive Like Jay have to do with this? But when you think about a band like Rites of Spring, you, you get it. So this is on me thinking about the commercial side of emo. So Ben's reading this stuff, and so I am, I am right. This is now what's co- considered emo, right? Paramore, which I never would have thought of as uh, emo. Panic, exclamation point at the disco. The Get Up yeah. Kids. Oh, they're the, good. The Used. The Used, yeah. Saves the Day. Brand New. Sunny Day Real Estate. Oh, see, okay, right. So Sunny Day Real Estate is another one of those bands where everyone was like, this is what emo is. Right, but I think emo was, that that was the early, not the early, but the the, the second coming of of emo was, you know, Texas is the Reason and Sunny Day Real Estate. You know, the the first one being the the DC Rites of Spring stuff. But then how do you get from that to that and then to Paramore? Right. Hawthorne Heights. Actually, I like right. Hawthorne Heights, but you do. It's screamo. People call okay. it screamo. That's what I'm saying. I, I don't know what screamo is. Weezer. Here's a band that I think. Oh yeah. <laughs> if, if you told me this band was emo, I'd be like, oh yeah, I think that's right. The Promise Ring. Promise yeah. Ring is emo. Promise Ring definitely emo. Yeah. There you go. Uh, the Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. Apparatus. Jesus. Rites of Spring, they're the oldest for sure. They they started in 84 and ended in 86, according to this. Uh, All-American Rejects. I don't know about that. Good Charlotte. 
You said good Charlotte before, Ben, right? I know. Oh, yeah, you said that. Okay. Yeah, but they are on the list. Silverstein, a band I've never heard of. Captain Jazz or Cap'n Jazz? Cap'n Jazz, yeah. They're definitely emo. Jawbreaker, which I don't think I would have thought of as emo. Yeah, that makes sense, too. They're another one of those emo touchstones. Here's a great name for a band. I think, I knew, did they have one hit? Something Corporate? Yeah, they might have had one song. I don't know. I mean, From first not, to last? What fuck are they? I don't think we're the authority on emo, but... I'm clearly not. Simple Plan? Yeah. Senses <clears throat> Fail. This is a long fucking list, man. Mayday Parade, Yellow Card, Texas is the Reason, I heard before. Thursday, Say Anything, oh, Alkaline Thursday. Trio. Thursday's emo. Gabe, Gabe's a big Thursday fan. Oh, yeah. I'm not a big Thursday fan. I thought you were a big Thursday fan. I liked them when they were Wednesday. No. Um, I'm no, not a big Thursday on. fan. I know They're you're a terrible. big Thursday fan. I'm not. I'm a Thrice fan. A what fan? Thrice. Oh, Thrice. Yeah. That's that's what it is. I'm a big it's another TH band. Get your He's TH a big Thrice fan. Yeah. My bad. Again. Further Yeah, scenes. I'm just off my fucking game. <laughs> I should have told you, Gabe. I'm sorry. I thought it would be fun. I thought you would be like. No, I think in the editing we can get this to work. Well, you, 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 your, your voice mic. just went down. No. It you keep touching that <laughs> browser. No, keep your hand off your mouse. Did I do it again? Yeah. I did it again. Yeah, yeah you did it again. I'm an idiot. You think in the You're editing, a regular what? Britney Spears with that shit. We can get this to sound good in, in editing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah? You're going to edit? Is that what's happening? No, no, no. Ben's going to do his magic and make this a good episode. Listen, I don't know for a fact whether anything he said was even audible. <laughs> you could barely hear that motherfucker. So, I mean, it'll, maybe, maybe it'll be great. I don't know. You just ride the faders, Ben. Yeah, I'm going to ride the faders. Uh, AFI. Oh, my God. Okay. They you don't became, want any more, do you? The, 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 the next two are early good. AFI's okay, who's the next two? Funeral for a Friend. Um, I don't know about that. And Newfound Glory. Oh, yeah. Newfound Glory, I guess. Oh, sure. here's an emo band, apparently. Death Cab for Cutie. And they also yeah. have At the Drive-In as emo. Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't really know what emo is. Or, I think emo is basically every band that's been uh, making records for the last 20 years. Right. Or emo is a, is a bigger umbrella than uh, than I, I give it credit for. I, I think it's too big of a tent. Green Day is in there. Yeah, Motion yeah, City Soundtrack. Not... It's, all, it's all nonsense. Yeah, I you know, I... Uh, but they get lumped in. Rabbit J. Who gets lumped into the whole emo thing because people who are in those bands looked to Rabbit J. Who for as as the founders. I'll tell you this: they're not on this long list, so no. It's for, they, I don't think they should be. Oh but, no! But they are oh, on you, the they are on a Wikipedia list of emo artists. So and that's like crazy. a million times longer. That's literally like uh, four hundred bands are on this fucking list. Like Rush is on there. Um, <laughs> no. Yeah. I'll give you yeah. all the R bands because you asked for Rush. Rainer Maria. And please. No Red more. Jumpsuit no. Apparatus, Rites of Spring, Stop. Roses are Red, and Rye Coalition. I only said I would do it because there's only like five of them. You know what, who should be yeah. emo? <clears throat> Seam. 
from Chicago. Yeah, Seems got that thing. Seems they're, got it. They're not on this list. They should be. I mean, the best thing about like really good emo bands is the connection between them and the audience is 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 crazy. You'll go to a show and the whole place is screaming every word. Uh, that's kind of cool. Uh, I, I dig that. I don't know. I mean, uh, have you ever he, heard it or listened? He, have you ever listened to an interview with him before? I'm sure this is his deal here. I listened to a couple, but then I stopped listening because I wanted ours to be fresh. I didn't want to ask him a bunch of stuff that I knew somebody already had. <clears throat> well, I don't know. Drive Like Jehu and Rocket from the Crypt, you know, they put San Diego on the map for me. You know, there are other bands from San Diego that are maybe, maybe bigger, like what, Stunt Double Pilots from San Diego. But, I mean, I've got two amps, you know. One is a Laney, and it's got a Rock from the Crypt sticker on it. And then the other is a Matchless, and that has a Drive Like Jehu sticker on it. You know, so... So those guys are the shit for me. And, you know, and I've probably seen Rock from the Crypt more times than any band that I ha- haven't been on tour with. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I've seen them so many times. And the last time, after... I, they played a small club in Austin after that outdoor uh, Drive Like Jehu show. It might have been the best time, best Rock from the Crypt show ever. Are they one of the best live bands you've ever seen? Rock from the Crypt? And Drive Like Jehu and Hot Snakes. Yeah, absolutely. All three. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's a reason, because they have those two. Yes, but there's also a a... a a uh, what like an absence of bullshit you know especially especially in Drive Like Jehu there's an absence of bullshit I mean there's a little bit of uh, show busy type of thing going on with Rocket but that's baked into the cake that's part of the joke right but um but I like I like the, the fact that they have a sense of humor and you know there's zero bullshit I just which got makes them, which helps make them one of the greatest live bands of all time. Yes. If I my, could say my last show I ever saw was Hot Snakes, I, I'd be pretty happy about that. I wouldn't want to go to my grave like that because I think I got a lot more years left. But <laughs> <laughs> the next band I'd like to see would be them. My podcast just got exponentially better. I just got a hot fudge Sunday delivered straight to the desk here. Well, you know, I, I guess this is this this certainly was a different uh, episode. Um, it, it wasn't. Uh, it's not like any of the others. It's going to end with Ben eating a hot fudge sundae. <laughs> <laughs> you had I've got eleven. Delivered. I've got eleven more podcasts to mix tonight, and they have to go up by tomorrow morning. So, what? yeah. Well, this keep is eating just... that sundae like that, and you're going to pass out from a yeah. Cold headache. What is it? What yeah. do you call that? Yeah, brain freeze. Brain freeze. Mm. So you didn't. I think we're done, right? Oh, that's brain stew. Nice.